Uh, the Bible reading today is from Matthew 5, verses 13 to 16. And this section is titled Salt and Light. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. now yeah okay maybe I did do something wrong <laughs> okay um, thanks so much Tiff and the team for leading particularly that um, item it was great to be able to just um, yeah sit and reflect and and um, yeah be with God in that way and um, Stephen and Kate for writing it yes yeah, amazing thanks so much for sharing um, with us so uh, Great to be able to be here and share this morning. Um, I'm just hoping that there will be no mice today um, because I know that, that was a situation a couple of weeks ago. Um, however, I'll probably be fairly cool, calm and collected like Joe was. She did a great job. Um, a huntsman, however, that would be a different story. So let's hope that that doesn't happen. Um, okay, so last week, if you were here, we had visitor um, Stuart uh, he, visiting with us, and, and he was um, continuing our series on multi-missional, so looking at mission from different angles and, and different uh, through different lenses, and he spoke about how the behavior of the Christian is a witness to Jesus. The behavior of the Christian is a witness to Jesus, and he spoke about our beautiful behavior. Um, so the way that we treat people around us as being really important in our mission and as a witness to Jesus. And I want to continue in that theme today um, and go a little broader uh, again and speak about um, the, pu the public witness of collective Christians. So Christians together, our public uh, witness, not as individuals, but as the whole. Um, so faith, faith sorry, in the public space. That's where we're going to go today. So um, in preparing for this series, a number of us read a book by uh, John Dixon uh, from down in Sydney uh, about this very idea, multi-missional, and he talks about how the church simply gathering together each week, just coming together and worshipping together, that that is an important witness to Jesus. Uh, and I agree with that. Um, we are here week after week consistently online if we're not here in person sometimes, but we are here week after week, and sometimes people come simply because we're here, and that is an important witness. Um, we see in the early church, in fact, that this was a very important witness. So in Acts chapter 2, when Paul talks about it as well in 1 Corinthians 14, how gathering together, the early church gathering together and worshipping together was a massive part about, of how they went about their mission. They just existed. It was quite simple, really. They just met together, 
and devoted themselves to this new way of life, following Jesus together. And this radical existence that they lived, it was so attractive to the people around them that people just joined. It was really quite that simple. In fact, the church exploded in ways that we haven't even really seen since those early days. They simply existed as a church, following Jesus together, and people simply wanted in. Pretty amazing stuff. And so while God can absolutely still work in this way, God can work in whatever way he chooses, and the very existence of the church today is still a testimony to the goodness of God, and and there are people who just simply come from time to time because we're here, I think it's also important to think about and look at the fact that times are so different now um, to what they were in the first century Middle East, aren't they? Our context and our culture is so different from that time. In fact, I think it's, it's difficult to really comprehend or describe just how different really our culture is today and our time is today. So as I was thinking about this this week and, um, and preparing for this sermon and how, you know, this idea from John Dixon that, you know, simply meeting together and simply worshipping together, that is a form of mission to our neighbours. And it made me think of an incident that happened at a church that I have been a part of previously as a pastor where our neighbours literally complained many times to the council about us about the noise that we were making on a Sunday morning. They were not happy. They did not like the drums on a Sunday morning coming through those walls and disturbing them. And at other times during the Friday nights, you know, youth group and things like that. And it really actually became quite an issue. And this whole backwards and forwards ensued like for a long time. And it was like this whole thing. It was a lot of stress about the neighbours. And I actually think in the end, they sold their house and moved away. Because <laughs> they, they couldn't handle it anymore. And... Um, I think that's interesting. I tell that story because I think it kind of highlights that contrast, that difference that exists between this early church where people just saw these Christians worshipping and being together and they just wanted to join. And then here we are in 21st century Australia, people literally sell their house and move away because they don't like our noisiness. Um, So as we consider this question today, or this question that I want to consider, is how do Christians, how do we, the collective of Christians, engage and interact in the public space today? How do we at Rivers, at Rivers Church of Christ, how do we engage in the public sphere in the northern suburbs of Brisbane, that's our context, in, in southeast Queensland, in Australia, in 2021, in this post, post Christian nation that we live in? This post-Royal Commission nation, which is an important thing that we're going to come back to. And of course, post-pandemic world, how do we as a church engage in the public space? It's really important that we consider our context and our world that we live within today. It's important that we keep reading together regularly. But what else? What else do we need to consider to be a witness to Jesus in our culture on the public platform? So today, uh, we're looking at this passage from Matthew chapter 5. Uh, which we read out just before. And Stuart actually did um, uh, touch on this passage as well last week. It's a very familiar passage to you, I'm sure. Uh, but let's just look at it again. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So this passage here, this comes in Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew. And actually it comes straight after the Beatitudes. So the blessed are the et cetera, et cetera, et cetera passage. This, this comes straight after that. And so it's really important to see here that Jesus, in this passage, he's not talking to an individual. He's talking to a group, a, a group of his followers, a collective of people. So this isn't an instruction to one person, but an instruction to a group of people following Jesus. And in this moment, Jesus invited those followers to join him in his work. So here, Jesus is not saying, I am the light of the world. In this passage, Jesus is saying, you, my followers, are the light of the world. I pass what I have, Jesus has, in terms of the hope for humanity, onto you, my followers. So there's two things happening here. Two things. The first thing is that what Jesus isn't saying is, this is what I want you to be one day. This is for you to aspire to. If you try really, really hard, then you can become the light of the world. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, this is who you are. This is your identity. You are the salt. You are the light. So we know salt is very important as a preserver, um, particularly in this time as well. And salt is very important because it brings a particular flavor, an important flavor to food. And Jesus says, this is who we are, an important flavor, a preserver. And we are also light. We shine light in dark places. This is who we are. This is our identity. As a, as a church, as a collective of people following Jesus, this is who we are. And the second thing is that this is also our mission. It's our identity and it's our mission to be the salt and to be the light. Our mission is to not lose our saltiness to not lose that special flavor that we bring. Our mission is to not hide our light. The mission is to let our light shine before all men so that they may see our good deeds, that they may see our good deeds, the collective good deeds, and glorify God because of it. This is the mission. So we've already talked in this series a few times about how Jesus' mission is one that is defined, as we see in the Gospels, it's one that's defined by deep and abiding concern and care and compassion for people. That's what marked Jesus' ministry. At no point ever do we see Jesus sitting upon his high horse and dictating orders to people. This is probably, I think, what the religious people were hoping for in a Messiah. This is what they wanted, but that was never how Jesus behaved. Jesus behaved so differently to what was expected from a, from a Messiah. Jesus got amongst the most needy, the most oppressed, and Jesus got his hands dirty, literally, sometimes. This Messiah was an on the ground, in the dirt, in the darkest places, bringing hope, bringing light, bringing that flavor of compassion that people hadn't seen before. That's what this Messiah was like. So as we look at this passage and this calling to be the light of the world, to be the salt, and we, and we, want, we ask, how? What do we do? Well, we look at Jesus. We look at how he did it. We look at the places Jesus was prepared to go, the people that Jesus was prepared to engage with. And this is the mission. This is Jesus' mission, and it's our mission. 
It's not my personal mission. As this passage is clear about, it's a collective mission to the church. This is Jesus giving a mission to his followers, a group of people. In our very hyper-individualistic culture, which is what we live in, it kind of can cause us to read a passage like this and read it as me. This is a message to, to me. I am the light. Actually, no, it's important that we read this passage in its context and see that we collectively, the church, are called to be salt and light. We together are called to shine light into dark places. We together are called to engage in real work with real people who daily experience very real darkness in their lives, just like Jesus did. We are the people on this planet who are called to bring the flavor of deep compassion and abiding concern and action for our world and for our neighbor. So as we ask this question today, which we asked at the start, how do we do this? How do we behave as a collective people of faith in the, in the public sphere, in our culture? How do we do it? And as we consider as well these words of Jesus to his followers to be salt and light uh, in this dark world, just as he was. And as we look at Jesus, we start to catch a, catch a glimpse of the role that we have been called to play in our world, in 2020, 2021 Australia. Because our world might be very different to the one that Jesus walked in, but there's a few things that haven't changed. There's still dark places. There's still terrible disease. There's still oppression and injustice and voiceless people in worlds of pain who desperately need followers of Jesus to bring our flavor of care and compassion and to shine light where the world refuses to look. I think all you have to do is speak to somebody like Chappie Josh, Josh Slack, um, down, at, down at Kalanga Primary. Just speak to him for a few minutes and we catch a glimpse of the brokenness and the pain that exists right on our doorstep, right here in Kalanga. What does it mean to engage as people of faith, as witnesses of Jesus in the public space? It means to be salt and light. That is who we are. We bring the flavor of compassion, of care, of hope, and we shine lights in dark places. That is our collective mission and witness. So Stuart talked about last week how we are witnesses. We just are witnesses to Jesus. We don't get to choose one day I'll be a witness, but tomorrow I don't really feel like being a witness to Jesus. We just are. We just are witnesses to Jesus, both individually, we are individually, but as a collective as well. We are witnesses to Jesus. What we do says something about him. Um, in this passage, it says we are a city on a hill. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so people are watching. People are watching us, the church, and watching what we say, what our behavior says about Jesus. So what is the message that we are giving off about the nature of God in our culture? What is our public, collective Christian witness saying about Jesus? So I wonder, I wonder what people would say. I wonder if we were to ask the average person on the streets of Australia or the streets of Kalanga even, I wonder what people would say. In fact, I would say even in this room, we would all have different opinions on what people might say, depending on our experiences, depending on the people that we're mixing with and, and their opinions, the voices we listen to, and that's fine. However, I think that we generally know, and we've spoken about this in previous weeks, Stuart talked about it last week as well, studies are showing that the general feeling towards the church in the West, so that includes us, at the moment, the general feeling is not great. 
not great. In fact, it ranges, and the majority of people might sit in the very apathetic category, very apathetic towards church. But then that could, that could also be suspicious, repelled, even resentful towards church. I think we see that. I think there's people who think the church is actually out to do a lot of damage. All in all, in the public space, people have lost some trust in the church, in the collective of Christians. And this is why, as we mentioned before, I think one of the things we need to mention here and talk about is the the Royal Commission that happened in Australia and the institutional abuse. It's it's not fun to talk about it, but as we talk about the church in the public space in Australia, this is something we need to talk about. So Simon Smart from the um, Centre of Public Christianity, he talks about this. So he's based in Sydney. He says, it's difficult to overstate the damage to people's trust caused by institutional abuse in in the church. It's difficult to overstate the damage caused by institutional abuse in the church. Now, we know that here at Rivers, we know that this kind of abuse that we're talking about here, as far as we're aware, it's never been a problem here, and that's fantastic. And we are working to make sure that it absolutely stays that way. Um, So it's easy, I think, for us, for individual churches who haven't actually encountered this problem that we've seen in Australia, it's easy for us to go, well, you know, we didn't do that, so it's not really our problem, is it? But I think what's really important to understand is that on the public stage, is what we're talking about today, on the public stage, in most unchurched people's minds, there's not much difference between us and the church down the road, or us and that church in the city, or us and the church across the country, we are just the church. Jesus said, you collectively are the city on the hill. Not that church is the city on the hill, that church, but not that one and not that one. We together are the city on the hill. We, uh, the church, are being watched because our behavior says something about God. Our behavior is a witness to God. So it's important to understand that we uh, are one church in people's minds especially. There's not a lot of distinction between churches. And be it, you know, maybe for a few bad apples in the bunch, in 21st century Australia, in the public space, people have lost some trust in the church. So when we're talking about our public collective witness, this is just one issue. I raised one issue here this morning. There's, there's a lot more, I think, that affects our sort of collective witness in the public space. But this is a really big one, a really big one in our context. And I think what tends to happen when we hear these public criticisms against the church, maybe we hear them in the news or from, you know, people around us or whatever, I think we can tend to have one of two responses. One of two responses. So the first one is idleness. So we sort of tend to just um, withdraw, I guess, and hide. We want to just disengage from the public space altogether. um, And we'll just do our thing privately over here. And we don't want to bring any attention to us over here. And I think the risk here is that we tend to lose touch uh, with what's happening around us. That's that's what Jesus talked about, that hiding a light under a bowl. We don't engage. We stop engaging with real people in real situations out there when we become idle. And the second thing that we can tend to do is uh, become combative. So we gear up for a fight. 
you know, we want to set things straight. We want to make sure our voice is heard. We want to preserve the way things have been. Uh, sometimes we see this done in, in the political arena. Um, just have a look over at sort of some things that have been happening in the U.S. church and you'll get kind of an idea of that. So idleness or combativeness seem to be sort of our response to these, to these criticisms. The problem is that neither of these things actually look much like how Jesus conducted himself. Jesus' ministry was very public. He didn't hide from the public, obviously. He, he mixed with real people in real situations. He had hands, dirty ministry. And Jesus wasn't combative, other than to the religious establishment at times. But Jesus wasn't combative. No, Jesus said, our mission is to be the salt and the light in dark places, the flavor of deep compassion and care in the world. Not idle and not combative, but salt and light. Our witness is to be one of God's deep care and compassion and hope. It's both our identity and our mission. So the question is, what does this look like to collectively represent Jesus in the public space in 2021 in Australia, what does it look like to be salt and light in the northern suburbs of Brisbane? Well, here's just a couple of things that I'm going to draw out. I reckon there's a whole bunch of things, and you might have other ideas. Here's a couple of things that I'm going to draw out. The first is that uh, we need to build trust in the public space. The collective church, the collective of Christians, build trust in the public space. So Simon Smart, who I talked about before, he talks about it. He says that how the answer to the many criticisms of the church, the answer to the many criticisms of the church is not less Christianity, but more Christianity that's true to its original. So more Jesus-like Christianity, marked by deep compassion and abiding care, just like Jesus' ministry was that sleeves rolled up Christianity, prepared to get our hands dirty in the real places and the real hurtful places and, and situations with people. We need to be prepared to step into dark places in order to shine light. And we need to build trust with the community in the public space. And there's so many ways that we can do this. I'm going to talk about just one one that I'm really passionate about. Um, so for just a moment, I hope you'll allow me to put my kids and youth pastor hat on. I've been a, a, worked in kids and youth ministry space for seven years now. And uh, this is something that I'm really passionate about. And I, th I think that um, the church has a really big responsibility in order to collectively work on that trust in the public space. I think we have a big responsibility to take safe church really seriously. We need to be seen to be taking the safety of vulnerable people and kids really, really seriously. And of course, we need to be taking it really seriously, but it's so important that the public sees us taking it seriously. That is our public responsibility. Yes, we want to get in there and do the ministry and have fun and do all of that good stuff, but before we do that, I actually need you to get a blue card. <laughs> I actually need you to do your safe ministry check training, and I'm going to need to check your references just to make sure that you are safe to work with kids. That's really important because we have a responsibility to keep people safe, but we also have a responsibility to build that trust in the public space and show everyone, we want everybody to know that we can be trusted. We are committed to keeping people safe. 
So doing your safe ministry check, I bet you haven't thought about it this way, doing your safe ministry check and training, it's such a simple thing we can all do to add our voice to the collective of Christians saying, you can trust us here. Safe church, it might, this is why I'm passionate about this, is a missional thing. It's a missional thing. So that's one thing, one thing to build trust. There's probably lots more. Um, so that the next thing as well to building that uh, the public witness, making sure we've got that public witness, collective witness, we build trust. And the second thing is that we become vitally involved in our communities. You've probably heard the old adage. Um, I think people would use it sort of when being, being missional and, um, and, and being evangelistic. You know, if you were hit by a bus tomorrow, where do you think you'd go? If you were hit by a bus tomorrow, where would you be going? Do you know? Well, I want to reframe that, and I want to say, if the church was hit by a bus tomorrow, that probably won't happen, but if the church was just disappeared, if the church was just suddenly swallowed up into the ground, would people notice? Would people notice? Would they care? Would we be missed in the public space, in our community? I think this is a really important question to ask. And a simple way, I think, to start to become vitally involved in our community, a simple way to start is to get to know our community. Pay attention to what's going on. Um, I heard somebody say last week, a pastor say, you know, have a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other. We need to know what's going on. Pay attention to the things happening. Talk to Chappie Josh. Um, if we want to talk our local community, talk to him. Ask, ask what can we do? Is there a brekkie program down at the school or something we can be a part of? We heard last week about the desperate need for foster and respite carers. In our region, there's a desperate need. You want to talk about deep compassion and care in dark places. I think foster care is a huge thing, a huge thing we can be doing. Perhaps you could join the Morton Bay Community Matters team. Those guys are, are incredible. The work they do... They work hard every week, and they make a difference. It's incredible. We join that team. Let's roll up our sleeves. Let's be prepared to get our hands dirty and follow in the footsteps of Jesus, being the salt and being the light in our world in a real way. Can you imagine if the collective Christians, so the church in Australia, was known in the public space as being those people who are just so caring and so compassionate, those people we can really trust, those people who show up when you need them, they roll up their sleeves and they get in there. They're not afraid of mess. They're not afraid to venture into dark places with people. Wouldn't it be great if that was our collective witness in the public space? So to wrap up, um, I just wanted to share this passage with you. So we see this in the, in the book of Isaiah in chapter 58. So what's happening here is we see the Israelites devoting themselves to acts of worship to God. Um, they're fasting and prophesying and, and worshiping God. And they're actually they're very happy with themselves about what they're offering God and their, their piety. They're very happy with themselves. But what we see happening is that God rejects their worship. He rejects their fasting because it was completely disconnected from the real needs of those around them. So in Isaiah 58, verse 6, uh, verse six to 7, 5 to 7, it says, this is God's response as they bring their, their worship that they're very happy with. God says to them, you humble yourselves 
by going through the motions of penance, bowing your heads like reeds bending in the wind. You dress in burlap and cover yourselves with ashes. Is this what you call fasting? Do you really think this will please the Lord? Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? There we go. Is this not the kind of fasting I have chosen? To loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry, to provide the poor wanderer with shelter, when you see the naked to clothe them, and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood? So our worship of God, our gathering together on Sunday or during the week, these acts of worship, you know, fellowship that we do, um, it's important. And God can really use it in people's lives. It's, it's a witness. But it must translate to real care and real compassion and real action for real people in our community. To gather and worship without any real care for what's happening outside our walls is simply not acceptable to God. And it's not what Jesus modeled. We are the salt of the earth. We are the light of the world. A city on a hill. Our collective witness matters. So let's continue to live up to this calling that we have received. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that you are a good God that your love is so deep that you would come and dwell here on earth. God, to save us, to rescue us, but God, to also um, begin a movement of people following in your footsteps, Jesus. You were uh, on the ground, in the dirt, hands dirty, Messiah. And you have called us to follow you. You have called us to be salt and light, to bring that flavor of compassion and care, to shine light in dark places, just as you did. God, would you, by your Holy Spirit, empower us to, be, to live up to that calling, to be salt and light in our world, as we consider our, our nation, our context, our community, here in Kalanga, God, would you put on our hearts how we collectively can be a witness to you, your people, in the northern suburbs of Brisbane? God, open our eyes um, even more to the needs around us and show us how we can uh, serve people and love people and just show that deep compassion to people around us, Father God. God, thank you so much for your, for your grace towards us. We know that there has been uh, moments where we haven't lived up to this calling in the past, God, your collective church. And yet your grace is so abounding towards us. Thank you, God. God, would you just empower us? Would you just fill us with your love so that we can overflow to others? In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.